David. Yes, Graham. How many wizards does it take to change a light bulb? 27. Well, it just depends on what you want to change it into. Hmm. I'll save you from having to rate it and just let you know that joke is a solid 10. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you think you could turn something into with 27 wizards? Like, what is the 27 layer? Like, level? I think... 27 wizards gets you what? I think after maybe two or three... Mm -hmm. They might, um, you know, ego might get involved. So then they start fighting amongst each other? They might start fighting each other, yeah. Are they trying to fight each other? Are they one-upping each other? Uh, That's a good question. I think there'd just be kind of spells cast, you know, there's so many of them at once. It might might just end in destruction. Yeah. So, uh, but with two or three, they could at least talk it out, you know, Mm. beforehand, kind of Mm. form a a committee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you could get, you could rate this a 27. If I get, I, I keep hearing that number. If I, 2.7? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a joke for you. Go ahead. Why don't dinosaurs talk? Why? Because they're dead. Okay, this is the second time you've done this. You've picked a joke where it makes me feel bad. <laughs> like you feel bad for the dinosaurs? No. Well, because they're yes, dead. Yes, I, yes, of course. No, it's, a, it's, it's such a silly answer. And it makes me feel like you, me, even trying to answer it. Uh, I'm, it I'm, I mean, you're just making me feel silly. It's not. It's not. So, you're, are you suggesting that's not even a joke? But I am going to give it a four because it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Welcome back to Withy Window, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and groan-worthy jokes, and featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. Part book club, part game show, it's your weekly adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And I'm Graham Pittman. And on this show, we have a very special guest who actually is a what, Graham? A dinosaur. He's dead? No, no, he, we talked to him, so no. Uh, so then he must not be a dinosaur. Uh, we just established the dinosaurs. Well, and he talks. Ju- have you seen Jurassic Park? Oh, those are the ones that don't talk, though. Oh, yeah, this was a talking dinosaur. Yeah. Okay, and he wasn't a cartoon. That's true. That's actually, he may be a dinosaur, but I was referring more to his occupation. Oh, I see. Right. What is his occupation? Wizard. Okay, I'm just going to take over here because you're causing problems. <laughs> he was an illustrator. And at the top of the show, we like to say how this is a show that features your favorite authors and illustrators. So far, we've had a lot of authors, some of whom are also illustrators. But on this episode, we are going to speak with somebody whose primary occupation is as an illustrator. And he has illustrated many books that you will uh, know well, including S.D. Smith's Green Ember books. Graham, what is this person's name, though? Uh, this dinosaur wizard's name <laughs> is Zach Franzen. You know, I will say sometimes when I see his illustrations, I think that guy was a wizard. Oh, true. Very yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were going to talk to Zach Franzen in a little bit. Of course, we've got a riddle at the end of the show, and we're going to give you the answer to last week's riddle. And of course, we are also going to be talking about the ending. It's the ending, Graham, of the Railway Children. How do you feel about coming to the end? I don't feel great. I mean, the ending was great, but that means <laughs> the season's going to be wrapping up. True. And, and I, even though next week is going to be a very, very fun episode, it means we'll have to take a break for a little while. That's true. So this is our eighth episode, which means we're getting to the end of the book, and then we have got one more episode left in season one. And in that episode, we are going to answer listener questions. Just you and me. We're going to answer listener questions for us. Hey, how can people send in questions if they want to do that? Uh, they can send them into podcasts. At goldberrybooks.com. 
But before we get into all that, we need to hear from our sponsor. Oh, yes. I've got this. You want me to do it? Uh, yeah, sure. This week's sponsor is Hamster Garage. Does your hamster ever complain that when he's driving his tiny, tiny car all around town that he can't find a place to park? Well, Hamster Garage is here to help. Well, hold on. Hold on. Ham- hold oh. on. Graham. Yeah. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing? I'm doing the ad read for this week's episode. Um, Graham, we, we have... We already have a sponsor. Like, oh, you like want, a, you're talking about the real sponsor. Yeah, yeah we have the, a, the one with the countries. Yeah, yeah, we have a real sponsor. All like, right, you better do it. You better do it. I mean, I'm in a completely different headspace. That's right fair. Now. I mean, tiny hamsters driving cars. I mean, that, that, that'll throw you for a loop. But think about it. Hamster garage. I mean, pretty good idea, right? You know, you can say let's no. consider it for a future business idea. Maybe we should have a podcast called Hamster Garage. But our real sponsor... <laughs> Is classical conversations. Are you interested in homeschooling but not sure where to start? Or maybe you have parents who are homeschooling and just want to know how to do a little bit better, how to dig a little bit deeper. Well, for the last 23 years and in over 47 countries, as Graham noted earlier, classical conversations has been equipping parents like you with the tools and confidence to teach their kids at home, training them to succeed in today's changing world. Their proven model will connect you with a local Christian community so you can be encouraged, inspired, and equipped in your homeschool journey. Learn why Classical Conversations is the world's leader. That's a big word, leader. Mm. They're the world's leader in home education. And you can sign up for a free online info meeting at classicalconversations.com slash withywindle. Classicalconversations.com slash withywindle is that link again. And I still think it's kind of cool that we have our own link at Classical it's Conversations. It's very cool. ClassicalConversations.com slash withywindle. Let's just keep saying that because it's cool. ClassicalConversations.com slash withywindle. Well, you know when we can say it again? When? Halfway through the show when we do the ad again. Before then, though, we have to take care of a couple of items of business here. We've got to, um, you know, maybe consider a little bit of reader emails. And uh, most importantly, we've got to talk about snacks. Oh, snacks. We have some good ones, some good snacks this yeah, week. Yeah, so um, we actually, David brought... A smorgasbord. <laughs> Good word. Yeah. Smorgasbord. Can you smorgasbord. smell smorgasbord? Actually, this one I can't. It's got an S and an H and probably a C, a B. I'm throwing I don't a G even know at if the I end. And Do you th- I wonder, though, in my brain, for some reason, it's making me think that it's actually just smorgasbord in terms of smelling. So you're probably right. S-M? Smorgasbord. Yeah, see, I already said I couldn't spell it, and now we're pointing out that I don't know how to spell it. Uh, and I don't either. So maybe we should just move on so we don't embarrass ourselves. Well, too late for that. <laughs> True. Let's talk about this food. So on the show today, we are going to hear about a very special snack that Zach Franzen loves. Mm-hmm. Can you, do you want, should we give a preview I mean, of that? Is this or? a spoiler? I mean, kind of, but it comes pretty early in the episode. Okay. It is called a fudge round. That's right. And we've got fudge rounds here. Why do you think they call it a fudge round? Uh, because it's round and made of fudge. I think you might be right. That's my best guess. That is one thing I do know. That these are rounded made of fudge? Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily know how to spell smorgasbord. So I have a question about these, though. Mm. Let's say you're eating a fudge round as we are right now. Yes. And right now, this one, perfectly round. You yeah. can hear me touch the wrapper here, right? Okay, so it's in the wrapper. It's perfectly round. But if you're eating it... You take it you, out of the wrapper. And you, well, you take Is that it, what you were going to ask? You do. Yeah, you take you, it out of the wrapper, don't yes. Don't eat that plastic. No, I won't eat the plastic, I promise. But let's say you're eating the fudge round. And as you're eating it... I know where it, you're going with this. You kind of bite off the edges so it's no longer round anymore and becomes square. Is it oh. still a fudge round? Oh, you could have fudge rhombuses. Fudge triangles. Fudge triangle. Fudge diamond. Fudge 
hexagon. I think they can call it a fudge round still because when you bought it, the it box was... has to say round. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they don't come pre-bitten. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, if yours comes pre-bitten. There might be a hamster in the it's box. Probably means it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but don't eat that. Yeah, probably don't eat that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, then it would would no longer be a fudge round. But but it would be confusing. Is it something still what it is once it's in your stomach? Is it a fudge round if it's in your stomach? I don't. I've never thought about this. Like, is a Twizzler still a Twizzler once it's been chewed? Whoa. Is ice cream still ice cream once it's been consumed and melted in your gut? That is... You're blowing my mind and making me want to throw up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to do that right before we have these delicious snacks. We also have some cookies and we have... Oh, this was some, my uh, favorite as a kid Swiss and ro- as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Swiss rolls? Swiss, yeah, Swiss cake rolls. And then we also have some spicy spicy Cheetos, which we've talked about on the show before. So, Oh, and we're doing this at night and yeah. uh, the kids probably don't know what heartburn is, but uh, <laughs> just looking at this is starting <laughs> to give it getting to heartburn. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about something that doesn't give us heartburn. Kids emails. All right. So this week, oh, wait, mail time. I hope that little sound effect came up. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can't forget the cue for the sound effect. Yeah. Uh, Can we do it again, Logan? There, that right, there that was go. a good one. All right, yeah, there we go. All right. So what's this week's featured email? This week's featured email comes from the Beckman children. B-E-C-K-M-A-N. And you know if they're, yes. And you know if they're <laughs> signing it that way. There's a few of them. It's a it's a it's a gaggle. It's a collective. It's a community. Maybe it's a township. <laughs> <laughs> it could just be a trio. And they and they titled this a worthy featured email. So they were very th- confident. Very confident. And you know what? They're right. They're right. Uh, so they said, "We love your podcast. We have a few jokes and a question." Uh, so the question we're going to feature that next week as part of our. Um, mm. Yeah, Q&A yeah, exactly. Episode. Yeah, they can send it. We're going to answer questions. And then they send in a riddle answer, but yep. okay. They send in some jokes. Are you ready for these? No, okay. You're uh, not. I'm, you're not. I'm, not. I'm not prepared. Okay. Okay. This one's from Sadie. She's age nine. Okay. What do you call a cracker that has its own podcast? Graham. Graham cracker. <laughs> That's a good one. It's very good. 10. It's a straight 10. This is like the joke Olympics. This joke... Comes from Evelyn, Jane, Sadie, and Finn. All of them together is a collectively written joke, okay? Yeah. Each one wrote right on. a, a couple words of it, must okay. be. Oh, yeah, yeah. so the first kid got to write two words, yes. and then the next one, yeah, okay, got Why it. Why does Withy Windle always post their podcast episodes in the daytime? Why? Because they're always featuring David. Topical jokes. I would give that one a one, though. Wait, you know, well, I think mine gets a ten because it says David instead of no, Graham. no. Who knows why? I mean, I'm just joking. That's a ten too. I was gonna say it's starting. Wait, to feel a ten a, too? A 10 That's a twelve or ten point two. Oh yeah. Well, you can lower your own score. That's fine. I mean, either way, it's better um, than yours. And then Finn. This is not a podcast centric one. Uh, who seven said? Okay. Why did the banana split another banana? So they could make a Sunday because he wanted a banana split. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank That's you good. thank you beckman children for that email well done yeah we were impressed logan i don't mean to ask you to do more work but how about an applause applause here for for the beckman kids the beckman collective wouldn't it be really funny if if logan was getting kind of curmudgeonly good word 
and 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 did like the opposite of whatever sound effects just, we started asking woo. him to do. You know, because we're not necessarily listening to all these episodes after they go up. He could be doing all sorts of stuff. That's true. Ooh, That's true. I just got scared. I know this was you. Just he probably didn't think that he had permission to do that earlier, but mm. now he's definitely going to think that he has permission to do Yikes. that. Well, you know what that sound effect means. I hope <laughs> it's, it's time. time to talk about Ian Nesbitt's book. Yes. All right, Graham. So here we are. We've come to the end of the Railway Children. We've, this is going to be uh, chapters thirteen and fourteen. And uh, in the end, their father comes home, and that's where the story ends. But before we get into the very end of the story, I want to ask you something. Go ahead. You know the scene in chapter thirteen where old Pete is talking to the doctor. Old Pete. Peter. Peter. Yeah. Old Pete. <laughs> old, old, old Pete. Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Old, old Pete's talking to the doctor. The doctor takes him aside. Oh, yeah, and yeah, says, yeah. He gives him some scientific yeah, facts. He gives him some scientific oh, facts goodness. because he says, he says things like, uh, you shouldn't tease your sisters and talk about blood and guts and stuff like that because basically they're not tough enough. And yeah, I want to know what you think of this, um, of this advice the doctor gave. Well, Okay. Does it feel tongue in cheek to you, like from the perspective of Inez? But because it feels like she, I think she's so. kind of making fun of it, and and it, and it's obvious, like on the next page right. when he relays this information to his sisters, that they think it's bosh as well. They That's think right. it's nonsense, right? And I love that because at first you're thinking this character is supposed to be sort of a wise man; he's a doctor, and then you realize you kind of kind of roll your eyes at what he's saying because it seems yeah. not just old-fashioned, but also just like pure nonsense, right? Because <laughs> yeah. he's like, women have to stay home and take care of their kids and like be moms as if being a mom is never difficult at all. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, and man. then you realize later on that the story is kind of poking fun at that character and even the narrator kind of makes fun of, uh, makes fun of him as well. You've talked a little bit throughout this book about how we get Nesbitt's personality quite a bit and I feel oh, like yeah. here at the end we definitely got that yeah because she's definitely the narrator right we don't have some other character that's narrating this well book. maybe she doesn't say my name is Nesbitt it's, but it's pretty clear that the narrator is outside the story right do you want to recap any of this or should we just dive kind of right in here well in this section we get the 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 hound the young man who got hurt in the in the tunnels yes and they bring him home and they take care of him, and then they they write for to his to his uncle, and the uncle comes. No, grandfather, I think. Grandfather, I'm sorry, yeah. grandfather. And then they realize that the grandfather is the same old man who they have been communicating with. Did you see that one coming? I mean, I little I looked at there was a picture that that showed him. So so I I literally saw the picture of of it coming. Right, you saw the picture before you read it. Well, I have to, I didn't really mean to, I, you know how sometimes like you open a book and the picture's there yeah. uh, and it said at the bottom of the picture, it's our dearest old man. Oh yes. Okay. And so then it kind of gave it away, but I, I caught on about one page before yeah, yeah. and I think she probably dropped clues about five pages earlier. Yeah, they that. did that foreshadowing thing we talked about <laughs> yes. at the beginning. But I'm a little slow to that. I was like, oh, I know, I know who that's going to be. I know who it's going to be when he walks in. But even when you kind of know, that's that, that's sort of the fun, right? Because you're yeah. a little bit ahead of the characters. Yes. And they, she, she does that in the last chapter, too. That's true. Yeah, because... And that, so then in the last chapter, we get where the father comes back. And as a reader, we're realizing, oh, the old man actually did, did help out because mm-hmm. Bobby had sent a letter to him explaining the situation. And then he kind of pulled her aside when he came to see his grandson and said... We might have good news. I can't make any promises, but I think we might have good news on you, about your father, but don't tell anyone. Yeah. 
And then she's she's thinking all along as she's going into town to meet the train that maybe something good's about to happen. She has this gut feeling that something good's going to happen. Yeah, and so do we. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then it pays off in the end. That's what they call that. But you know, pay you, off. you anticipate something and then it pays off. So I really like that passage um, because it's just Bobby mm. going through, and I think that's like that's a really intentional choice to separate her out from the other people. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering a little bit about about that, and it might be that she was showing us kind of how sensitive Bobby is throughout this whole thing, and it just kind of made sense for that character mm. to be the one to kind of go through it all. But also, it does seem like she's matured a lot too. Like mm-hmm. as she's, you know, she's cl- she's growing up. And I like that she's walking through town and all these characters, it's oh, almost yeah. kind of like a fairy tale. All these characters are saying nice things to her and are like beaming at her. And it's almost a reversal of when they went through town trying to get good things from all these people, mm. you know, like, like they're not giving her, they're not giving Bobby gifts as she walks through, but they're giving her, uh, uh, I don't even know what you would call it. Support praise. No. Um, well, there's optimism, you know, it's, and it's just, clear that it's a community. You know, yeah, like they built something there, and so it's kind of it's kind of the opposite of what was happening before. They were having to go go house to house trying to get things for perks, and now everybody's kind of mm. being able to give back in a little way. And and when they first came to the town, they didn't know anybody, and they were lonely. And that's one of the reasons why they relied on the trains. They were so interested in the trains because they didn't feel like they were a part of things. And the trains were kind of like and an, something exciting and adventurous in a sad time. But as the story goes on, we've met all these characters here and there. And then here at the very end, we get one last stroll through town to, to see mm-hmm. them all again. What do you think of the ending? I love the ending. I loved the ending. <laughs> Go on. Say this, more. I like this book a lot. Mm-hmm. I do too. I like, I read a lot of children's books because I have children and I read a lot to my older son mm-hmm. and it's a lot of, um, you know, fantasy. He's, he's 38 now, right? <laughs> he's older than I am. He's <laughs> uh, a lot of, you know, Lord of the Rings, Hobbits, more adventure stuff. And so this is kind of, this is just kind of a more straightforward, I, I guess just a non-fantasy story or a non-action story or anything right. like that. And I was really, really into it. Like, I just kept reading it and reading it. Um, and hmm. I thought the ending was wonderful. So, we, and we asked this question last time. Like, do they go back to the city? Are we going to see them leave yeah. this kind of community? Are they going to stay? We don't know. Yeah. She doesn't tell us. She doesn't even let us in the house. And she says we're not needed there anymore. It's great. Because then your imagination is just kind of, you you fill it in with with what their reunion is like. And the fact that she doesn't even have to draw it for us but we know based on all their interactions and these characters what they're like you can just picture exactly what it's like so and almost what they are saying to each other nowadays you know when an author does that they definitely are you know would have created a cliffhanger or something and then done a second book and a third book and a fourth book i don't you know we don't know why she didn't do that it wasn't as popular to do series back then Mm -hmm. but do you do, do you like that we didn't get a series? Like, does it is there some magic in that, or do you wish that she'd written the next book? Uh, I'm always, I'm always, um, I I feel I feel like that she ended it here and didn't write anymore is probably the right. I don't know if I should say right. It's a good decision. Yeah, it seems right. It seems I, right I can I can close this book and and keep these characters in this portion of the story and don't need more. But if but I also 
would really like more. Yeah. So you, it's that you weird. Kind of are left wanting a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things in in a book is when the ending surprises you. It's different than you thought it was going to be. Yeah. And this and, it, and then you're and then you think what in the world and then. When you step back after a second, you realize, oh, no, that's right. That's, I couldn't have, maybe I wouldn't have done that, or it wasn't what I was expecting, but it was exactly the right ending. And that's kind of how I feel about this book. I think we're in agreement on that one. Yeah. And, and on my page 284, which I think is in chapter 14, there's a section uh, where it says, they seemed to be hardly railway children at all in those days. And as the days went on, each had an uneasy feeling about this, which Phyllis expressed one day. I wonder if the railway misses us. We never go to see it now. So it's interesting that maybe the railway, it was the first thing they really found magical. But after a while, their interactions are just with the people. Hmm. Um, And maybe it's so gradual, we as the readers don't even notice it. Or Hmm. it seems like the characters don't even really notice it. And then that's when they decide, yeah, we need to go back there. And they go back and see everybody waving. (laughs) Because the news has come in, but they don't know that. And news it goes yet. to show you also how much other people have come to appreciate them. They made new friends, but then those people also made friends with them, and they brought some sort of, you know. Do you want to do some some guessing about what what you think um, I, happens after these covers are closed? My guess would be that they would stay, and maybe they'd have a little bit more money, a little bit more um, comfort, and they wouldn't have to stress about things as much but that they would go, they would stay in the town and their dad would become like a fixture in the village and the kids would, you know, maybe Pete, little, maybe all Pete becomes, uh, works on the railway and, Oh, I like that. And, uh, Bobby goes and eventually, uh, works for, or with the, the old gentleman and, uh, the mother writes stories, but also, you know, keeps taking care of children who get caught in tunnels. <laughs> and what about Phyllis? Phyllis. She becomes the train robber. Yeah. Right. I think Phyllis becomes, um, Phyllis becomes like a, a detective or something. Oh, I like <laughs> something this. just unusual because she's got these older brothers who have older brother and sister, the older siblings who have, uh, you know, trained her to do something adventurous like that. I like that. That's good. What about you? What's your take? I have nothing to add to that. I think those are perfect. Well, answers. okay. Before we go, we got to wrap up. This is the end of a book. So there's, you know, I, I'd love to know which character now that we're at the end most stands out to you. Like which character do you think? you like the most oh i oh this is hard yeah that, i that, like them all yeah like goes to show really. how they all are yeah all three kids perks um mother, mother the old gentleman father we don't really know right um uh but i mean i gravitate to bobby uh especially in the last few chapters but mm. also to peter yeah uh just because he's so like hard-headed yeah but also funny, but also caring. Yeah. Like they, they, all these characters aren't simple. They yeah. all have kind of different dimensions to them. That's very true. What yeah. about you? Yeah. I think, um, I really like perks, the Porter. Yeah. How he kind of changes. Young um, perks. I do. <laughs> um, I do like their mother too. Yeah. Um, she's so steady and offers wisdom and, you know, in some ways she, you know, could, she's a writer. So maybe she's a stand in for our author in some way. Um, hmm. and, uh, I like all the stuff in the book where it talks about storytelling and how sometimes things that happen in books can happen in real life. And sometimes you want things as to feel like real life to happen in books. Um, so I, all that stuff was really interesting. What about old Jim? You like old Jim? Oh, we didn't talk about this in the last chapter. Uh, when he breaks his leg 
and he's like unconscious and yeah. then finally wakes up, he's like, oh, golly, I think my leg's been broken. <laughs> yeah. And then just <laughs> and then just has kind of a normal conversation with them. Well, you know. He's got that British constitution. Man, yeah, what a kid. I bet him I bet he sticks around for a while. That, yeah, oh, yeah. Peter. Yeah, I mean he's probably getting some some he's probably he's te- teaching Peter how to play chess. He's probably winning a lot he's of chess. He's probably breaking and, a lot more bones. Yeah, yeah. I mean like gee willikers. <laughs> my arm is detached from my body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have been doing a British accent. Oh, well, I'm not really yeah, doing really, this. Yeah, I don't really know what accent that was. Hey, um, okay, before we go, final, we talked about how this is an episodic book. Which of the episodes that these kids got into is your yeah. favorite? Do you remember the most fondly? Oh. Or would you be most likely to get into yourself? Okay. Um, I really like when they first moved to Three Chimneys, or maybe a chapter after. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're like, we're not sticking around the house. We got to figure out something to do. Yeah. Uh, and they go find the train. They meet the um, or the railway station. Yeah, yeah. The and they first master. see that coal. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, Peter devises plan to yeah. go mine some coal. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. The, I, the picture of them kind of stealing the coal at night and getting, getting all trouble. black and dirty, and yeah, them finally getting in trouble. What about you? I do like when they the when there's the rock slide or the landslide and they rescue and uh, Bobby's waving the flag and waiting so yeah. she basically wears herself out. That landslide that they but may or may not have caused. I do think the birthday episode is a really good one too, with Perks's birthday. Oh, for sure. Because oh. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, you. Well, go I was ahead. just going to say because he, you know, his the way he shifts in that scene. He starts out too oh, proud and then and too, very angry. Yeah. yeah, and then by the end of it, they've made him. They've softened him. I really like him. These these chapters, I think it's thirteen, where Peter's being a bit of a brat, and then he wants to play doctor, <clears throat> and they don't because he's being kind of gross, talking about like bones crunching and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they finally like, sure, we'll play doctor, and then they just tie him up. <laughs> <laughs> so so clever. So and, clever. And also very very sisterish. Yes, it's very realistic. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this has been really fun talking about this. We hope that all of you kids who are listening enjoyed listening uh, to our conversations and uh, also just enjoyed this book. For season two, we'll have a new book uh, that we're going to discuss and we'll reveal that as we get closer to those to those episodes launching. But I think we're going to do something that's pretty classic and pretty exciting. So uh, hopefully you will tune in for those conversations as well. Hey guys, we got to take a quick break to tell you about classical conversations. We, you've heard about them before, you know, 47 countries, 23 years and so forth. You want to ask me a few of those countries? Um, Azerbaijan, Afghanistan, Indonesia. The, oh, you meant ask you? Wait, what was that first one? Azerbaijan. Okay. A-Z-E-R-B-A-I-G-A-I. I believe you. I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of letters in that one. Okay. It's in Asia. It's over by Cyprus and Georgia and Turkey. Uh, yeah, okay. And, and Armenia. But it's not near Kuwait, Kosovo, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, East Timor, Australia, Russia, Canada, Costa Rica, Cuba, Dominica, Dominican Republic, Trinidad, or Panama. Wow. But you know what? Classical Conversations is in many of those countries, although I don't know if they're exactly in Tajikistan. Or Azure Zazan. <laughs> They've been equipping parents with the tools and confidence to teach their kids at home. Partner with other homeschooling parents and find your local community at classicalconversations.com slash withywindle. And don't forget about our other sponsor, Hamster Garage. Okay, you know if what? You... No more Hamster Garage. That's not a real sponsor. How no are... free ads. How are the hamsters going to park? 
the can't park on the street. It's too dangerous. There's street sweepers. But think There's about it. Grading. If people can, pa- can parallel park giant cars, why can't a hamster parallel park parallel park a tiny hamster car? Because the other cars won't see it. I don't know why I have to explain this to you. They need a special garage. Okay, hamster garage. Is this how big is a hamster garage? Like, is it like like is it as big as this room? Is it like the size of a shoebox? Like, how many cars are we fitting in a hamster garage? Is this like a personal hamster garage, like a garage at home, or is it like a parking deck? Like a parking deck. So it's a hamster parking deck. It's like a parking deck. It's not a hamster parking. If it's hamster parking deck, I would have said that it's hamster garage. The company is called Hamster. Garage. Okay, I got it. I got it. Hamster garage. Try, try to stop poking holes in my fake company. Okay, so this episode is brought to you by Glasgow Conversations and Hamster Garage. You got it. Well, with that, I feel like, you know, this is a good time to, to move on to, to our friend, friend Zach. Zachary? What should we call him? Officially? I think we should call him um, what Z- he calls himself. Zacchaeus? No, I think he calls himself Zach. Zach? Okay, we'll officially call him Zach. So, without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Zachary Franzen. Well, uh, this week's guest, as we said at the top of the show, is Zach Franzen. Zach, Zachary, Zacchaeus, Zachariah, Franzen. Nope, just Zach. It's just Zach. Just Zach Franzen. That's a weird name. Just Zach Franzen. He is a wonderful illustrator, and in particular, uh, you might know him for his work on the Green Ember series, which includes, most recently, Ember's End. And if you've ever wondered who painted those illustrations of those sweet rabbits with swords... It was Zach. It was Zach. Yeah. And uh, we're about to talk to him, so we hope you enjoy it. If you don't, it's Graham's fault. Well, we are here with Zach Franzen, the eighth and final guest of season one of... of yeah, Hollywood. season one, not yeah, of all not time. Of all time. You know, no, okay. No, but, you know, we, we, um, we have said since the top of the show that this was a, a show where we interview authors and illustrators. Yep. And it's high time we have an actual illustrator on the show. I mean... You know, other people are good at drawing, but Zach is an actual illustrator. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd like to think so. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we do authors and illustrators. And you keep telling me to get an illustrator on and I keep putting it off because I'm a graphic designer, but these guys are real artists and they make me feel bad about myself. So I I try not to invite them on. Well, as someone who, you know, uh, wants to be a writer and does writing... I've had to deal with that for the first seven episodes of the show. So yeah. it's high time that you have to okay. experience the same thing. That seems fair. Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show and dealing with our nonsense. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the projects that you're working on? Some of the kids probably, who, they probably would recognize your illustrations um, in the books that they've read. But could you, could you give us kind of a summary of some of the projects that you've worked on that, so we can sure. tie the books to, to, to your pictures and, and the pictures to your yeah. name? Yeah, I, probably the biggest body of work, I guess, is the Green Ember books. Um, so I've done the covers and interior illustrations for that. I've also done um, a cover and interior uh, illustrations for like Doug McKelvey's The Angel New Papa. And I always get this title mixed up. It's kind of uh, The Angel New Papa and the Dog or maybe. That's right. The, yeah. 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 The, the Papa New Angel and the Dog and the Dog New Angel. And <laughs> yeah. So um, that, yeah, The Angel New Pop in the dog. Uh, and I've done, um, for Journey Forth Press, I've done a number of, they have uh, these crossroad books, which are kind of like choose your own adventure books set in like biblical times. So I've done probably four or five of those, I think. And uh, I've done uh, done some licensing stuff for, you know, like films, uh, mm-hmm. done some painting for, you know, whenever there's like a movie that's animated, they'll come out with some kind of 
early reader book that they, you know, oh, to yeah, try yeah. to get money. Yeah. Um, and, and I've done some of those. And then uh, let's see, I've done some, uh, oh, and I've done like editorial illustrations for like some news magazine stuff, uh, like caricatures, that, that type of deal. So, yeah, so I've just done a, a variety of projects. I, I also work for BJU press. I did some illustrations for their reading uh, and history and uh, um, their biblical worldview book and some other things. So, so you uh, stay busy. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, before we, I mean, we have a number of questions here to ask, but before we do, um, we have a little challenge for you. As we're talking, we want you to do a little drawing for us. Do you think this is fair, though? Because we've, No, it's not fair at all. We've writers to do it, and then we're, now we're asking an illustrator to, to do an illustration. Should we have him write a novel while we're talking? A short story. No, a novel. A whole novel? Yeah, a whole novel. Yeah. <laughs> he has a, it's 40 minutes to record, to, to write a whole novel. Yeah, that sounds fair. While we sounds talk. Like a good idea. No, I think it's high time we get a good draw oh, yeah, the show. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm just Fine, kidding. Some of the, yeah, some of the drawings have been wonderful. That's true, of course. So what's he going to draw this week? All right, Zach, you ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous because uh, expectations will be higher than is comfortable. So. <laughs> Agreed. All right. So, so you are going to draw a haunted tree house. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, that was, that uh, was very confident. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I already know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Thanks. And you're going to get such inspiration for this that you're going to create a whole book series of your own based on this drawing. That's yeah. what my feeling is. There's going to be a tree house. incredible drawing. And- you're going to commission SD Smith to do some work for you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And and will the will the treehouse be the character? Like is like like he's know. a personified treehouse, or he's just the setting? Well, we'll see how good your drawing is. Oh yeah, I guess that'll make sure. Yeah, that the treehouse. Yeah, you're, yeah. It could be sent. It could be sentient. It could be alive. David could be in it. I, I don't know. <laughs> in the treehouse, yeah. put a character in it. <laughs> so as usual, we've got lots of questions from our our young listeners from the, you know, the kids who are reading these books. Before we get to that, though, could you tell us a little bit about how you got into the world of illustrating people's books? Because, you know, in some ways, I think you think, oh, writers, they get into writing books by writing books, and then they try to get someone to publish it. And then they find the illustrator for their books. But how did you get into this world of being a children's book illustrator? It seems like you'd have to, you know, take a very specific path to get into that. Yeah, no, that's a good question. For me, I studied theater and art in college. My first job, I worked uh, doing some animation um, cell painting when I was like 14. I've always, I was interested in illustration, but the path is, is, isn't obvious. It's a little bit uh, difficult. There's certain operate, there's kind of an operational knowledge you have to have in order to get in. And fortunately I was able to work with some folks at a place called Portland studios that had a bunch of illustrators that had already sort of you know, figured all that stuff out. Hmm. I worked there as a writer, actually, initially, and also doing some production art. And uh, I got an agent sort of through that um, for a little while. And I was doing some freelance uh, on top of that. So it it was really just through working at Portland Studios. I worked with um, some really good, like uh, Corey Gobby and Justin Gerard and Chris Coley and, and, uh, and sort of saw, they, they kind of 
busted down the door, I guess, for all that stuff. They were able to, to find out how that goes. So I, I don't think if I hadn't worked there, I don't know that I would have done illustration, honestly. It just, it's not super, you have to make certain connections and, you know, you have to do a portfolio. Also, when I sort of got into things, there was a big transitioning. I think, you know, like Twitter wasn't really solidified yet. Instagram wasn't really popular. A lot of the channels now for reaching out digital with digital art and making your art public weren't really present. So, uh, so I kind of, I kind of hit it at a, at a transitional period, but I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, I think it definitely does. So it sounds like people have to know about your skill and your talent. So you were plugged into kind of a community or a network where yeah, that was made I, possible. I think that's a good, probably a good idea too. I, I probably not, not super helpful on this question because, um, but I think it's a good idea to have a community. It just amplifies your work and it, it allows you to do better stuff maybe than you would. Cause if you have to just churn out stuff in order to keep up with the pace of Instagram, you're not able to spend a lot of time, but if you have three or four people and together you're churning out stuff as a collective of some kind, then, um, you know, you're able to spend a little bit more time on each piece, um, mm. raise the level. And then uh, I, I think that probably is a good idea just in general. I make a bigger splash and then you can kind of pool audiences for what you're doing. I, I think that's probably a good path. All right. We're going to turn to some uh, listener questions here. Uh, here's a good one. How do you make the characters look the same each time you draw them? <laughs> the <laughs> it's easy to make them look the same um, or, or all of the characters. I, so I have a hard time with the green number books because they're all rabbits and they tend to all look like one rabbit yeah. in different outfits. But the, <laughs> uh, the, the, it's hard to keep them. I guess the, the word is on model. And, um, and it's also, I will, if I could just back up a second, one of the things about the green ember, Sam was really interested in the books looking old fashioned. Like that was kind of a goal of his. He didn't want them to look super modern. And if it were contemporary, they would probably have like really big heads maybe. And they would be some kind of a little bit more of a fusion, probably look a little bit more animated. And so one of the goals to make them look, I mean, Sam's whole tag is, I think, new stories with an old soul. Right. So one of the goals was to make it look like it was, a little bit old fashioned and that was to keep the rabbits looking like rabbits and, um, and trying to keep sort of rabbity proportions and things like that. But uh, so one of the, the difficulties is to make them seem different. And there are some tricks that I, if I could go back, it would be probably a lot different, but, but the way that it exists now um, it's trying to just uh, keep everything looking a little bit similar. I, I had a good, there's a wiki page for all the green number stuff that some fans keep up. And I consult that a lot just to keep <laughs> track of all the details. Um, and they're probably, you know, they're probably frustrated that I'm not, I'm not more precise about all the details, but, <laughs> but, uh, but that's a really great resource. Cause I'm like, what color was this rabbit? And then I'll just go back and it'll be on the wiki entry and the, like the fan page for the green number. Yeah. So, so um, fan sourced information pretty valuable yeah. especially when there's there's such rabid oh fans Ra- rabbit rabbit fans. rabbit fans <laughs> hey Good. you know i actually forgot a a question that we have to ask we ask everybody i was wondering about this yes. which which do you prefer zach doritos or cheetos this is a question that devin asked 
way back at the beginning, we've asked every guest. So Doritos or Cheetos? Cheetos. Assuming okay. you have to choose one. So are, are Cheetos like cheese puffs? Yeah. Plus like the, or are Cheetos just the like hard kind of. The original Cheetos, you know. the brand. It could yeah. be both of those. Mm-hmm. That are- Doritos. I'm a Doritos. I'm probably a Doritos guy. Okay. Are you a regular nacho cheese or like Cool Ranch? Or- yeah. I think regular nacho cheese. I think. Uh, really popular. Regular <laughs> nacho cheese. I do like Cool Ranch, I guess. Um, and I'm a sucker for marketing. So if there's like a new thing that's like, you know, it's got like fireworks on the cover and explosion and like <laughs> exclamation points everywhere. I'll probably try that. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So in general, are you a sweet or savory person? Although I think I should sweet. probably clarify like- that. Do you like sweet stuff or savory stuff? Because someone once told me, are you sweet or right. savory? It sounds like you're asking them to describe themselves. Right. 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 Oh, interesting. <laughs> say it like My a- son said that. Yeah. And with somebody like I'm a salty, I've never heard I'm a salty person. Yeah. <laughs> I've not heard that. Um, I guess I'm a, so I think one of the best foods in the world is a fudge round. I think that that might be the perfect food. I can't imagine somebody making somebody improving that it's like the mousetrap, like you can't improve because you sort of hit the the best mousetrap ever back in 1910 or whatever it was that they did. And so you can't make it better. And I feel like they kind of nailed the fudge round and you you can't have like better fudge rounds. Um, I think I've never thought about this before. This is good. That's the top of my, I I mean, if I were in a restaurant and uh, it's dessert time and they like put in front of me, like some kind of fancy dessert and then a fudge round on a plate and they said, pick one. (laughs) I would choose a fudge round, I think. <laughs> and it'd be $18. And it'd be, but it'd be, I mean. It'd be worth yeah, it. <laughs> it might be worth it. I, the, the whole experience. Although I will say this, there's something about the bag on a fudge round because you can kind of put it in between your hands and you can kind of like press it and it'll pop. And it's really satisfying. And that's part of the whole experience. So if it were on a plate, maybe like, you know, seventeen fifty. Oh yeah. Maybe okay. not. Graham, when was the last time you had a fudge round? Oh, probably last week. <laughs> I eat a lot of I eat a lot of candy and cookies. Um, okay, so then let's let's from, go from there. Zach, cake or cookies? You know, I used to be a cookies guy, but as I get older and I don't understand this, I'm I'm more and more into cake. Is this like I, is loving cake like, like a sign of sophistication or something? I, well, I might just be um, uh, losing taste buds as you get older. Maybe there's something about. Or maybe it's just like my teeth. I don't, I want softer teeth or softer <laughs> food for my teeth. Maybe that's all it is. Um, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know, I, but I prefer cake, I think. Uh, although I like cookies too. I mean, it depends, but yeah, but cake is so much more substantial. Like if you, cookies, you have to self-moderate. Yeah, that's true. But cake, you just work your way through the piece of cake. You just sort of, you know, work yeah. on it. It's, that's kind of like uh, TV shows and movies. Like you're not going to, you're not going to mm. watch like three movies in a row. Well, unless it's like star Wars night, yeah, yeah. At, you know, or whatever. You're not, you're not binging movies. Yeah. That's like the cake. Right. And the cookies are like a TV show. And yeah, if you're not careful, you watch the whole season. Yeah. You've, here. you've had eight cookies in a row. Zach, are you a coffee or a tea guy? Say you're working on an illustration, such as like, you know, yeah. the one you're working on right now. How's that going by the way? It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's like it. a schoolhouse um, in a tree. Um, <laughs> well, so, just make it haunted and you're fine. Yeah, I just make it We didn't it say it couldn't be a schoolhouse in a tree. 
so uh, coffee or coffee. I'm not a coffee. I don't like the taste of coffee. I've never really enjoyed uh, coffee. And so I know a lot of illustrators are into coffee, but I prefer tea. I think um, I don't, I just don't like the taste and I've never That's learned fair. to like the taste. And I don't know why you would learn the taste. I mean, you could pro- some people will inevitably say, Hey, you, you can learn to like coffee if you just drink enough of it. <laughs> yeah. But why would you do that? If you don't like it, like, it's like, you could, you could, you could drink motor oil if you just acclimated to the taste of yeah. motor oil, but nobody's doing that. Zach, the answer is to fit in. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's also clear now. <laughs> <laughs> All of human behavior explained. All right. Here's another question here. Um, do you have a favorite character to illustrate? Uh, or we um, could ask the inverse of this as well. Like, is there a character that comes up and you know you have to illustrate them and you're like, oh no? Well, I yeah. thought you meant is there a favorite? It's easier. I think the, the character I think the, likes to draw Zach. <laughs> I think the wolves are wolves are hard to draw. Is it like proportions or or you're trying to make them menacing and also like being able to hold swords and stuff because a wolf's hand is so long. Uh right, like the fingers are way up here and they're short, and it's got this palm that's super long. And to hold a sword is kind of weird. So you kind of have to cheat from time to time. Yeah. And uh and then there's just always the tendency if they're standing up that they look a little goofy with a big old wolf head and then kind of like these tiny legs and this big long sausage torso. So so for me, I think um getting that balance right is hard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Like, I bet like, yeah, you get a, a brief or somebody tells you, you know, here's the things I want. And you're like, great. I know how to draw a wolf. And then they're like, make the wolf do all these things. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait, uh, this is, um, it's not as easy as it was initially. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a great, I mean, Sam, <laughs> Sam told me a funny story. I probably shouldn't be telling his stories, but he told me a funny story about, uh, I think he was at, uh, he, he might've been at a book signing or something. And somebody came up to him and they were like, rabbits can't, can't hold swords. <laughs> it was like, it was like, I mean, they said it like they were dropping a nuclear bomb on everything. Like you need to stop immediately because this is a fact you are unaware of. Rabbits can't hold swords. Yeah. So what, stop the presses. So, what did he so, say? Yeah, or what did you he, say? He kind of let it be awkward. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and said, yeah, I know, I know that's, you know, it's a, it's a fiction. It's fiction. <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> Sorry. What, one of the questions we get from people sometimes is about whether authors who are writing books can be surprised by the things that, you know, as the story is going on, they think it's, they think it's going to go one place, but then in the end, maybe the story goes a different place. So can authors be surprised by their stories? Do you ever have that experience as an illustrator where like you think and your illustration is going to be something, you have something in your head such as a haunted tree house um, that may or may not look like a schoolhouse that's in a tree. Yeah. Uh, but then as you go by the end of it, it's taken on a life of its own or it's gone somewhere that different than what you expected. Yeah. I think that happens a lot. I, I for me, it happens a lot, but also um, this is, maybe this is the same with writing. I think uh, that you, you do something you feel pretty is pretty good and then you go to bed and then you wake up the next morning and you check it out again. <laughs> and you're like, what was, what is all the mistakes are super apparent. Yeah. yeah. And, what was uh, I, and thinking? I think part of the problem, I mean, problem with, or part of the benefit, I guess, if you're writing or if you're illustrating is to build in the time to let something sit for a while so that you can um, 
look at it with fresh eyes because you mm. just get tunnel vision and then uh, you're, you're solving, you know, one problem after the other, and it just becomes a, a pattern of problem solving and you kind of lose sight of what the goal was until you look at it, you know, fresh. I could show you, I'm working on a cover right now. Maybe I'll show you after the call that um, there was an issue with the, uh, well, you know, I don't want to give anything away. So I was, so there's a, there's a, it's that sensation that you walk away for the weekend and you look back at it and you're like, Oh, all these problems crop up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, I find that happens all the time, but every once in a while, the inverse happens too, where I'm feeling really down on something and I let, I leave it alone to just kind of sit. And then I come back, I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty good. Especially if it's like multiple days that I haven't been sitting with it. Um, so yeah, I think it's super valuable to to walk away from things and come back to them. Graham, when you're working on like an illustration, do you find that, or a, like a either illustration or design. Like if you had a lot of time, would you still do design or do you think you would take the time to do an illustration? Uh, well, if there wasn't a time, time pressure, you're assuming I have, uh, any artistic talent. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a conversation. Yeah. Uh, I've done a a few illustrations and it was when I had the time to really mess up a lot. Um, uh, and then figure it out you know, as I went along. So, I mean, yeah. I find even with children's books now, it seems like everything's so designy. I mean, do you remember when we were kids, mm-hmm. the books were a lot more, I had a conversation actually with a woman at a, I was at a, a CBWI, like Society of Children's Book Writers. This is probably about 10 years ago. Um, and she was an editor for HarperCollins. And I used to remember books that had like the, the picture was a window into a world. Right. Yep. And so it was like a glimpse of a bigger, broader world. Mm-hmm. But today, there's just a tendency to flatten everything so that the picture is a poster, right? It's all flat. There's nothing behind the picture plane. And so even the, like, you know, I love the Elephant and Piggy books, by the I, I think those are great books, but that's kind of an example, maybe like everything's kind of flattened and it's, it's simple shapes and, and uh, easy to process. And it's, but it's mostly about arrangement. It's not about invention, right? Like it's mostly how do you, how do you have these shapes and how do you arrange them in an interesting way? And those, those books are also, those are picture books, but they're verbally really clever. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like, um, I think picture books that I can remember, even in college, some were less verbally clever and they were more simple. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the language was simpler and then the images were more elaborate, whereas today it seems like the images are. And I just feel like maybe that's just design encroaching on on publishing. Hmm. Um, this interesting. editor, interestingly enough, she said, I said, you know, there seems to be more of an emphasis on timeliness than timelessness. Why do you think that is? Hmm. And she said, well, she gave two reasons. But one of the reasons was that we own all the copyrights for timeless books and they're cheap to reprint. So why would we? why would we mess with that? Why would we try to do another timeless book when if somebody's looking for a timeless book, they'll go to a classic that, you know, that was written, you know, decades ago. Yeah. But if huh. they're looking, typically they're going to be looking for a novel book, right? Something that's, that's new. Um, and, uh, and that, and so that's their hope is to, is to uncover a new tent pole, like a new, a Harry Potter or a hunger games in order to pay for all the books that didn't sell. Yeah. And there, I think there's something valuable about innovation and, and even novelness 
in, in a sense, but when everybody's <laughs> chasing the same thing and that's yeah. all that gets produced, um, like that Carson Ellers book, that's in a made up language. Carson Ellis. Yeah. Or Carson uh, Ellis. Yeah. Uh, do his talk. Yeah. That book is incredible. Yeah. And that's a, that's a very modern book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some, there's some really interesting, cool, you know, illustrated kids books out there, but you have to sift through a lot. So as you guys have been talking, it's got me thinking about the idea of revision, because one of the things we talk about with writers is, you know, a lot of, a lot of the advice the writers who have come on have given the kids is, you know, get something on the page. You can revise it later. You can edit it later. You can go back and change things. So it's so important to finish, you know, finish something you're working on. Um, and some people will say, you know, revision is writing or writing is revision. And you're talking about the idea that you could make an illustration of something and come back the next day or a couple of days later and it not be good. But it strikes me that unless you're doing something, you know, digitally, if you're going to revision takes basically doing the whole thing over again, right? Oh, well, a really good eraser. Yeah, it, it depends what medium you're working in. There are tricks you can you can cover things over. If it's like if it's watercolor, it's really hard to revise. But if it's like that's why you have to. If it's watercolor, you have to plan in advance. But if it's like oil paint, you can just paint on top of stuff. If it's um, but you know everybody just because of the time constraints, people tend to work digitally now, and a lot of people do revisions digitally. Yeah. Um, and sometimes even people will say, this is the way I want to do the illustration. And then the editor will be, or the, you know, the, the art director will say, you need to do it a different way. And then they'll do the revision digitally. So, and then they'll sell the painting, the original that sort of true to their vision. So I, I think that's typical, typically the way it goes right now. Okay. okay. So you've mentioned, like you just mentioned an art director. So if you're working on a project with a company or even like let's let's take Sam for an example, or maybe as a contrast. Do you is it typical that the author just says this is what I'm looking for and here's kind of the style and you run with it, or do you have people like an art director who you're always checking in with or that are giving you a lot of information about exactly what they want? Yeah, the best art directors um, don't give you a lot of feedback <laughs> or, or they don't need to, right. Cause they give you the feedback that's necessary that gets you to the place that, you know, they agree, but they also, this is the same with like, if you're a theater director or an art director, if you say do it like this and you act out all the parts as the director, the performances are only going to be as good as your ability, their ability to imitate you. Right. If you're super prescriptive, but if you, so this is a long answer, but um, if I said, uh, I want you to be, I want you to, hum I want you to humiliate Graham, <laughs> David, that's my direction. It's, it's a, just get him on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good direction because you can, you can inhabit it. Right. It's, it's better direction. Than if I said, be angry, right. Which, which is kind of a prescriptive thing that doesn't, that doesn't give you a lot of ability to kind of inhabit that. That's sort of, you're putting something on. So it's the same, like a good art director will, will give you a few big picture directions, but let you inhabit it in a way that feels convincing. Um, Cause if, if you don't have conviction in the, in the work that you're doing, people can tell it's just worse. Yeah. And for you to be able to say to David, uh, humiliate Graham, um, it, it shows like you have some trust in David's ability to be creative. Yes, that's true. 
And so like that, that makes sense that a good art director has already kind of scoped out your work, knows who you are, knows that you're a good fit. And they're just like, you know, kind of run with this uh, idea. Here's a couple points. Yeah. The, uh, Cause yeah, they're probably totally. excited too about what you're going to come up with. Well, the first conversation that you have with an art director, every everybody's like, so you excited? You excited? You excited? <laughs> and I'm so excited. And everybody says they're so excited because it's almost like the first conversation that everyone has to have because everyone wants to know that they're, some, they're, um, they're invested in the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you'll hear that a lot, that art directors are, are, are listening to hear that you're excited about it because that's, mm-hmm. they, want, they want it to feel like personal work more than just mm-hmm. that you're doing a job for a paycheck. Hmm. Here's another listener question. Uh, Anna, who is 12, wants to know what your favorite medium to draw in is. And then I would just tack onto that. Like, have you played with a lot of different mediums? How do you find out what what would be like your favorite? Yeah. So I like, I mean, my favorite medium is probably oil painting. But for illustration, it's hard with the drawing times and scanning things and all that stuff. It becomes difficult. And so... And you can kind of recreate some of that digitally. And there's enough acceptance of the of the digital artifacts for people to just kind of shrug their shoulders and be okay with with digital painting. Yeah, I um, mean, if it's good enough. Do you yeah. think we should define what we mean by digital painting for the kids? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like photo, Photoshop is what I work, but it's just uh, it's where you mix colors and stuff on yeah. on a program instead of traditionally on on canvas or paper or whatever. So my favorite medium is probably oil painting, but I, I have worked in different mediums. In fact, one of the things for the Green Amber books was uh, Bambi. The layout drawings for Bambi were, are really beautiful. And they did a bunch of like, they used graphite powder and they would smear graphite powder and make every kind of thing smudgy. So all the leaves weren't super defined and they wouldn't draw every single blade of grass. They would kind of do these. And then they became the background paintings for the film Bambi. But those layout drawings I thought were really beautiful. And they felt, for me, they felt sacred somehow. They felt like serious. And so I, that was the aspiration initially. But um, if I had to do it over again, I, I think maybe there's like one or two illustrations that I feel kind of hit where I was aiming, <laughs> but, but, um, but the graphite powder, that was sort of a new me- So that was, it had to do with like getting like rags all dipped in the graphite powder and then smudging it all over and then erasing out details and, um, and, and, and that type of thing. So that was kind of a, um, but that seemed to suit the books. So sometimes the style seems to suit the, the story more. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So we got a couple, one more question for you and then we'll do our uh, word of the week and then, That'll be that'll be all. But but how how's the how's the illustration going? Are you- oh, you know, I I keep forgetting about it, and then uh, I can. We hear that a lot in this show. You, so you're, you're such a conversationalist. It's I'm better to it's better, transported. Yeah, it's better to hear that they've forgotten about the drawing and not the interview. Yeah, that that's true. It would be <laughs> weird if there was just this, like, we could just have a conversation, but that's already the rest of the show. Yeah. So okay, we got our word of the week here in a second, but before we go. Um, what are some of your favorite uh, illustrators um, and, and favorite children's books that have, you know, the illustrations of children's books? I was going to say, basically what I'm saying is illustrations and illustrators that even that are older. Yeah. I, I think most of my favorite illustrators are, are old school, like Norman Rockwell, obviously like um, N.C. Wyeth, uh, the Sir Brandywine River School guys. That's uh, like everybody from Maxfield Parish to 
uh, I think like Dean Corn Cornwall. Uh, there's a lot of that. I, I I've been getting into some of the '60s illustrators lately, um, so, and some of the work that Albert Dorn did in the '60s. I like some of that. I like the I, I like how stylish some of that stuff is. There was there was a series of TV guide ads. I'm trying to actually remember the illustrator. I've, I think I've forgotten. Um, TV guide ads from the '60s that were just these pencil drawings with with washes, but they were like contour line drawings, kind of like that. Um, so I, those guys just could draw well. They just had really a really good capacity for form and doing it simply. Um, mm. So I kind of I dig that. But most, I mean, I I I, I like old school illustration. I even like um, so. I mean, Charles Santore. I think he's still working. I mean, there's a lot of good. Like Paul Felix, he does he does animation work, but it's like amazing. Was, he does a bunch of layouts and stuff. Was there a book that as a kid you were like, I want to do that? Uh, you know, the Illusion of Life is a big compendium of like the history of Disney that was done in the 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. And they did everything from like Snow White and Bambi and Pinocchio. And there were some background paintings from Pinocchio. But I, f- I find that book hugely inspiring. I still find it really inspiring. Like if I... I'll go flip through it if I need to kind of rev up the engine a little bit. So, um, but Andrew Loomis was another, I think I, his work was really good and I th- found him super helpful. Like the uh, Walter Foster used to do these art books and they would have like how to draw faces and stuff like that. And uh, Andrew Loomis would be, you know, he had a how to draw faces book that was really excellent. And uh, so, yeah. I, and I, if you're, if you're near a college or near like a, a school, like typically they have a good library and if anybody's using the library anymore, but it's yeah. good to be able to, we were fortunately near a university and was able, I was able to, to look at a lot of those books and um, everything's online now. So it's a different world, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I think that illusion of life book still for my money, it's the, it's a lot of different artists doing a lot of different things over a lot of different styles. And, uh, and it, it's kind of the core principle is good drawing. Mm. Uh, I find awesome. that really inspiring. That sounds like a good one to get. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we are, Zach. It's time for this week's Word of the Week. Graham. Uh-huh, yep. Um, have you so sorted out our printer problem? 100%. Wow, Nothing. very confident. 99%. Okay, so last time... 94? I don't know if you remember. The bookstore troll took the machine. Right. We got it back, though. Right. But it was kind of slimy. Right. So I already took care of this. Okay. I was going to give it back to the bookstore troll to take care of the slime. Yeah. But I figured that was a bad idea. Right. right. Might just get more slime. So I'm growing, you know, as a person here. It's good. So I decided I would take the the machine um, and bring it in the shower. And you know, kind of give it a it bath. Off. Give it a bath. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I put it in the shower all night. Okay. Just to make sure it got clean enough. Get rid of all the slime. So yeah. we've gotten rid of the sand. So this morning, yeah. Okay. I get. Uh, so let's okay. just plug it in. All right. Plug it in. All right. It's plugged in. It's plugged into the computer. Okay. Now let's let's hit the button and see if it's going to print out our uh, print out our word. This is a big moment for you because you said you're ninety nine percent sure. Uh, uh, I don't, uh, Graham, that doesn't, that sound, looks bad. That doesn't sound right. Doesn't look right. It's kind of smelling a little weird. Yeah. And you know what? We still don't have a word. I don't understand really. Like I, it, it's so clean. 
in the world are my my pets are going crazy over here just like the printer the printer yeah you know what graham is it because of all the water i imagine that has something to do with it but i i'm good news good news i planned ahead I anticipated. Oh no! I have learned. I too have learned. I anticipated that we might not have a printer that works, so I found a word for us. Okay. So, I, can we use the word that I found? I'm just feeling a little down. You know, this is my my one job. Well, and I, I never okay. get it right. Good effort. You put a good effort in, and we're gonna figure it out. So machines plus water, unless they're like a specifically a water machine, like a, a submarine is probably okay. Yeah, probably yeah. don't mix very well. Right. We should get a submarine printer. Okay. So, okay, I found a word of the week. Can we just use the one that I found then? Yeah, let me put out the machine. It's it's on fire yeah, it's, now. Yeah, like I said, it's smells okay. a little weird. Hold on. All right. Okay, Zach, Graham, here is our word of the week. Snollygoster. S-N-O-L-L-Y-G-O-S-T-E-R. Snollygoster. Wow. All right, we are back. We took a few minutes to uh, write down what we think the definitions for the word snollygoster are. As is tradition, Graham will go first, then I will go, and then we'll yeah. turn to our special guest, and we'll see who gets closest to the real definition. Who gets to decide what a tradition is? Because I didn't have a say it, in this. Well, but... I don't. it just happened. Okay, so snollygoster. Mm-hmm. I, I know we're all going to agree that it's an animal. <laughs> see? Speaking of animals, yeah, my dog. We're recording this at, at David's house this time, and he's got like a zoo of animals. Yeah. We thought it was going to be quieter here, and then my, yeah, my animals are... It's like are... a parrot. Uh, it's not a parrot. like 15 cats. Uh, 11 horses inside. Snollygoster. You might even have a snollygoster here. I haven't seen one yet, but... Uh, so certainly an animal. So it's, it's kind of like a mole. It's mole-like. Okay. Underground, likes to burrow. Okay. But it, its senses are all scrambled. So it, it sees <laughs> with its hearing, you know, uh, it smells with its eyes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's always looking for little grubs and sounds things. Like, sounds like something we need Zach to illustrate. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it, it sounds kind of terrifying. I'm not sure um, if you'd ever want to run across one because it might scream at you with its nose. Snorting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I did also think, I, I also do believe that uh, a Snollygoster is, is a creature. Mm-hmm. But I believe it's a mythical monster from Estonia that feeds on newts, sheep, and traditionally very bad children and is known for the size of its snout or nose. Yeah. And so, you know, it would be like in the, in the, the old wives' tales and so forth. Oh, better, yeah. You know, you better watch, watch out. out. The snollygoster is going to get you. Right. Do you have a color for this thing? Um, roughly the color of snot. Ooh. Oh, you really don't want to run into the snollygoster. Right. Plus it'll eat you, so. Whatever. Oh, that was call it yeah. a rainbow. You'll still. be grossed out and then eaten. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Zach, what do you think the snollygoster means? So David and I are on the same cast of mind. That um, I I think a snollygoster is is a creature that lives under a bridge, no okay. eyes, great okay. sense of smell. If you cross a bridge at night and hear a noise inhaling, right, like the whistling of an, then you you should run because the the snollygoster is on your trail. Hmm. If you're at night going over a bridge yeah and you hear loud breathing this is just good general advice yeah snollygoster or not yeah just just get out of there yeah. well, don't hang out on the bridge see i i thought this had to be 
I thought this had to be a creature of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's find out what the actual definition of Snollygoster is. All right, here it is. The definition of a Snollygoster. A politician who does or says things for their own personal advancement instead of following their own principles. Yes. Is this Australian? Is this like an Australian word? I don't know. No, it's English, Zach. So it is like a monster of some sort. (laughs) Yeah. It's a politician who does or says things for their own personal advancement instead of following their own principles. That's a snollygoster. Wow. So I think I got it right. We all got it right. (laughs) So it's like a demeaning name. Yeah. That you call. Yeah. Okay. I like this. Yeah. So next time you're in a political debate with your grandparents or your weird uncle or kids at school, snollygoster. You got a new one for you. Yeah. That's good. I, I used to, when I was in high school, I did debate. And I made up a word called uh, tritripulate that I would just insert when I was doing poorly. (laughs) And so I would accuse my opponent of tritripulating around the issue and he was being tritripulative. And I knew that my opponent wouldn't want to admit that they didn't know what I was talking about because it sounded sort of fancy. And I knew the judges, they wouldn't let on that they didn't because they were from just in college. I was in high school and the judges were college kids and they didn't want to pretend like they didn't know. So I got away with it for a long, long time until one very secure sharp girl said, I'm sorry, tritripulate? What is is tritripulate? And I saw the judge look up like, yeah, what is tritripulate? And I I changed the subject. The point is, and then I went a different direction. So I never use it again. (laughs) That's a good story. And I feel like that's also a good story to end on. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great time. Wait, we need need him to call out. Oh, we do. Somebody call somebody out for next season. Yeah. Who should we have on this podcast? Who can you challenge? Throw down the gauntlet to. Um, I think uh, Ben Shipper um, is really good. I think uh, Joe Suffin is, is, is really good as well. I think he's, he's a really good illustrator. I think, um, I mean, Justin Gerard, I think he'd be interesting. Um, he's got a lot of good perspective. Uh, you know, if you challenge too many people and they refuse you, then your duel is going to be increasingly more difficult. One on three is already getting hard. So if they all oh, say okay. no, I see, I see. Yeah. So I'll stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate. Yeah, this it. was a blast. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks so much to Zach, Zachariah, Zacchaeus, Zachaby, Franzen for joining us here on the podcast. We loved that conversation, and Zach's a great guy. And thanks to Hamster uh, Garage. Yeah. Also to Hamster Garage. Hey, it's time for a riddle. That's how we end our show, if, as I recall. And uh, I'm just curious, do, do you have the answer to last week's riddle? I do. You do? Yeah. There's an answer? Yeah, this is an owl time. You know, <laughs> I've got <laughs> answers. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So could you recap last week's riddle for the... So the, the riddle was this. Imagine you're in a room. Mm-hmm. It has no door. It mm-hmm. has no window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how do you get out of this room? Yeah. Basically, that's, that's yeah, yeah. the riddle. Yeah. It's a very confined room with minimal exits minimal no exits no exits no exits all right but the trick in this riddle is that the very first word is imagine Hmm. and so what you have to do is just stop imagining it's a tricky one a lot of people got it right but what seems like just a little piece of instruction Hmm. like almost like a listen up yeah 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 is actually the key to the riddle so uh, it's hard but stop imagining. Stop okay. imagining. So if you're ever, not in general, we don't want you to stop imagining in no. general. Just in this riddle. Well, if you want to get out, if you, if you want to get, I mean, you might want to. You want to just make yeah. it might be a peaceful room. That's true. That's true. I imagine mm. at some point you'll want to get out. 
Yes. So, or that, you just fall asleep. That's right. That's true. You might, and then you might wake up. Hey, should we do a riddle for next week? Yes. All right, let's do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm just checking. I mean, it's policy. You think, you think we're going to mix it up? Uh, we could, yeah, we could just, just end right there. No riddle this week. <laughs> Thanks for coming. It'd be a shame because this is the last riddle of the season. We probably do one. Uh, can we do one? Yeah, I already I like said yes. Okay, all right, I'm just checking. You seem like maybe you're unsure. <laughs> you okay. might want to ask again, though. Uh, can we do a riddle this week? Well, I got to talk to the hamster. Okay, check with the hamster. He's probably still parking his car. He's parking his car. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What kind of cars do hamsters drive? Uh, tiny, tiny ones. Do hamster cars, are their wheels just hamster wheels? Oh. So is it like four, four hamster, hamster wheels on the platform? Oh. So it's, that would mean it would take four hamsters to drive it, because if you just had one, it would kind of just go in a, a little circle. Mm, so you got like dad hamsters. No, no. Like, see, I'm picturing these little hamsters in, in just tiny, tiny cars. Okay. Just normal cars. Okay. All right. But like convertibles. So like know? a Stuart Little type of scenario. Yes. Got it. Okay. Well, I don't know what any of that has to do with this riddle, but here it is. A grandpa went out for a walk and it started to rain. He didn't bring an umbrella or a hat. His clothes got soaked, but not a hair on his head was wet. How is this possible? This is simple. Stop imagining. <laughs> I, it, it doesn't say you're imagining. Oh, it doesn't say imagine it's, a grandpa? It's, it's not imaginary. It's real. <sighs> a grandpa went out for a walk and it started to rain. He didn't bring an umbrella or a hat. His clothes got soaked, but not a hair on his head was wet. How is this possible, Graham? I don't know. Well, you're going to have to wait till next week to find out. But you know what I do know about? Ham- hamster wheels. Hamster, hamster wheels? No. Hamster cars? Hamster garage? No, that this has the, been the uh, eighth episode of Withywindle. Oh, yeah. And next right. episode is a Q&A episode. That's right. Send in your questions to podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. That's, that's right. Yeah. Send in drawings of our machine because we're going to be picking yep. randomly somebody. That's right. Uh, uh, to to win what books? Yeah. It makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah, I think books make sense. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. I was going to say. Also, we said that, so it's probably we probably should keep with what we said. Yeah. 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 So that's what I was going to say. I don't know why you keep bringing up this hamster thing. I, I don't know. I feel foolish now. Well, you know what? It really is enough of the nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> This has been the eighth episode of Withy Windle. We have uh, really enjoyed spending the season with you. We got one more episode till the end of season one, and we hope you'll tune in next week. Until then, happy reading.